Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Today we're going to continue something we started last time and we do from time to time. And that is to dig into the relevancy, the what I like to call the inner dynamism of the liturgy of the church, especially Eastern churches. And the reason why I like to do this is because I think there's a certain imperative for the Eastern churches to do exactly this to look into what is their strength. And I like to say there are two basic pillars. There is many gifts of the Eastern churches, but there's two in particular, the liturgical life, the liturgy, and the asceticism. In other words, the monasticism. And we spoke last time about how we look into those things and we evangelize with them. In other words, how does the Eastern lung of the church evangelize? How do they take these riches? How do they take the, above all, the message of the gospel? and bring it beyond themselves. This is indeed a challenge for Eastern churches, because unlike our Western brethren, the Western lung of the church has been gifted with a particular gift, a particular power, a particular strength in evangelization. The Western church is very good at taking the word and being very portable with it, being very effective with bringing it around the world and in every place. The Eastern churches, yes, we do that too, but we're not as strong in that way. So we have to evangelize nonetheless, because that's the nature of the gospel. It's good news. God wants everyone to be saved. Christ came for all. So we have to get the good news out there. But how do we do it in the Eastern lung of the church? The East tends to be a little bit insular, a little bit provincial. We tend to be almost self-satisfied with just what goes on within our liturgy. And we're not so much concerned about what happens outward or for the rest of the world. Now, I'm exaggerating here a little bit, but there is a point here that is important. The Eastern churches must use their riches to bring the gospel to the world. Just as the West uses its innate riches for evangelization, the East has to use its own riches as well. And the two reservoirs, I believe, will have the most potential 
for evangelization in the East are its ascetical dimension and its liturgical dimension. Now, last time, we talked about how we take the liturgy, that vision of the liturgy, that sacramental vision, and we take it out beyond you know, the four walls and domes of the church, of an Eastern church, and we try to affect the world around us, starting from right immediately around us. In other words, our community. A question should be asked, and we gave an example last time of Annunciation Church here in Homer Glen, where I'm pastor, where we have touched a community, transformed a community by means of nature, what we've done with the environment, and that stemmed from our liturgical spirituality. So we looked around, as I would advise all Eastern churches to do, we looked around at our most immediate community, and we asked the question, how can we, with what we have, make it better? Where do we see some needs? Where do we see things that can be enhanced? Where do we see that we have something that maybe people are missing or unfamiliar with? And so we move out beyond ourselves and try to take our riches to the world around us, starting, well, think of it like concentric rings on a tree, starting with the immediate community. How can we make a real difference? Now, we make a difference just by being, just by existing. As I mentioned, St. John the Twenty-Third, the Pope, recently canonized, used to say that a parish is like a fountain in a village. It's a beautiful image. And in fact, a parish is, and that includes an Eastern parish. How do we as Eastern Catholics, or even as Orthodox Christians, how do the churches of the Eastern Lung, how do they become a fountain in a village? This is a question they have to ask. In my parish, we found certain ways. One of those was the environment, but it's not the only way. And yes, many Eastern parishes have, for instance, festivals, or they have things like fish fries and pierogi dinners and so on. And yes, those are means of outreach because it opens the doors to the world beyond them to invite them in to, if nothing else, taste some of our cuisine. (laughs) And those are opportunities for evangelization. That is true. But we have to go even beyond that. We have to somehow really be more involved in the community, in the government, and what goes on, and how we can create things for children, for families, to make our parish property itself a place that is attractive. Another thing that can be done, and we do this at Annunciation Church, is we keep our doors open all day. Now, I know some of you may have just gasped for air when I said that in this day and age. But I'll say it again. We keep our doors open all day. We do close them at night. We lock up at night. But seven days a week, during most of the 24-hour period of any day, our church is open, whether I'm there or not. Now, you might think that that's outrageous or it's very risky. Well, sure it is. But evangelization itself is risky. The gospel is risky. And we have to ask ourselves what our priorities are. What are we about What are we about as church? What is our mission? Are we being about that mission, especially as Eastern churches? It's not enough to have this beautiful Eastern church with this beautiful liturgy, and as soon as it's over, we lock it up at night. We lock it up during the day, most of the day, and it seems like it's like a, oh, almost like a a museum piece sitting on a piece of property, being very inconsequential. That's not the gospel. That's not the mission of the church. And it should not be what Eastern churches do. Now, the reason we keep our church open is because of evangelization. And how do we do it with confidence? And this is something I urge all Eastern churches to consider. Even if you're in a neighborhood that you think is maybe not quite so safe, 
perhaps all the more reason to stay open, to be that oasis in a desert of difficulties, of crime, and so on. The reason we keep our doors open at Annunciation Church is we are confident that at any point in the day, there is somebody here visiting, praying, individually, as a family, as a couple, just as a somebody passing by. As groups, groups come to have tours. We organize that as well. And we know that this becomes a ministry in itself, and it's worth the risk. It is worth the risk. Because in this day and age, people need that oasis. They need a place to be with God that only a church can provide. I've had experiences where people have come to our church at Annunciation, and they have actually burst into tears just with the joy that the church was open. And they would tell me, Father, we can't find a church that's open today. They're always locked up all day. And they were bursting with joy because they needed, they needed what only a church could offer. And especially in a particular way, Eastern churches, let's face it, if we're doing our churches correctly, they should be filled with the presence of God by means of the iconography, the smell, the incense, the candles, the quietness, just the overall sense of beauty and the presence of God. They should be attractive to people. They should be that oasis, that place that people feel they can come and truly, truly experience God. I've had people come to the church and they're crying. They're struggling with something very personal, very deep, and they found a place to go in our church. It's worth the risk. And it evangelizes at the same time. Not only is it a place of refuge, a place of meeting between God and a soul, especially a troubled soul, or maybe a joyful soul, maybe a thankful soul. But not only is it a place of that, it's a place of evangelization. Because, and provided the Eastern churches are done appropriately with icons and so on, when you enter that church, you're being evangelized just by looking at the walls and the ceiling. The icons, the iconography is speaking to you. It's speaking to you about the church, about spirituality, about saints, about God, the Trinity, the mother of God, the angels in heaven, the stories in the scripture. It's speaking to you just by being in the church. And so the idea of opening our churches and taking that risk, I think is not only a good idea, I think it is vital. I think we are remiss as church, east or west, but especially the east, if we don't consider that. And after all, And remember, I'm a pastor too, so I'm going to be very vigilant about things that could happen to a church, vandalism, damage, theft, and so on. But by and large, when you think about it, how much can really be stolen out of a church? I mean, what are they going to do in my church? Try to scrape the icons off the wall or something? (laughs) Because most of what's there is on the wall, painted on the wall. There's not too much they can actually walk off with. Can they come and do damage or vandalism? Yes. But it is a risk. Everything is a risk. Everything worthwhile is a risk. As I mentioned, the Christian faith is a risk. It's the riskiest thing in the world. Let's face it. Nowhere, nowhere, and in no other entity has so much blood been shed as for the church, for Christ, for Christianity. So by its nature, Christianity is risky business. So is the business of the church. But we take those risks for the greater good. And so I'm asking 
urging with a certain insistence, because I think it is crucial today that Eastern churches, first of all, be correctly done, that they truly let the gifts of the Eastern churches shine, the iconography, you know, the chandelier, the smell, the incense, the proper liturgy and prayer. Let that shine, but let it be available and let it be known that it's available. It'll get around by word of mouth. And especially if you have certain things on the outside of the church, as I mentioned, the landscaping, icon murals that are on the outside of the church or out by the road that beckon people in, that give them a hint of what is inside. A church, as St. John the Twenty-Third said, a church is a fountain in the village. Fountain. It's something beautiful, something refreshing, something that symbolizes life, life-giving, you know, water. And it's the center of the town. So should every church, every parish be, especially in Eastern churches. We have something that is missing in people's lives. That's why we're here. That's why the Eastern churches are here in a Western world. We have something to offer. We've got to let it shine. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how to evangelize through the liturgical life and the monasticism of the Eastern churches. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East the Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're looking at how to evangelize by means of what I believe are the two great pillars 
of the eastern lung of the church. Now, there's many pillars, but i focusing on two in particular. I think those are the two that really are the strengths of the eastern spirituality, and that is liturgy. We are liturgical people, and also monasticism, the ascetical disciplines. When we evangelize, as I mentioned, we're talking about evangelizing beyond the confines of a building, of a worship space, beyond even the parish, to affect change in a positive way to the nearby community and even beyond. At the same time, we have to evangelize ourselves because, you know, you can't give what you don't have. So Eastern Catholics, Eastern Christians in general, Orthodox or Catholic, need to grow ever more aware of what their riches are and how to live that. Again, I like to say how to release the inner dynamism of our liturgy. In other words, it's not just something we do as a ritual of worship. It's an immersion into reality, into a vision that we're supposed to take to every aspect of life. Now, the first place we take it to is, of course, ourselves individually, our souls, our very souls, our very being. But then from there, we take it to the next thing. Again, we're talking about, think of it as concentric rings of the tree. You know, the core is the liturgy and the monasticism. The first ring would be ourselves individually. The second ring out would be our families, especially our marriages. The Eastern churches have a lot to offer the spirituality, the strengthening, the revitalization, the renewing of marriage and family. Every home of an Eastern Christian should be a home that we can identify as a domestic church. In other words, we take what we experience in church, again, in the liturgy, and we extend that into the home, into our married lives, the relationship between husband and wife, the relationship between children, between parents and children. We extend that on all kinds of levels. Even an obvious or a physical level, we should have in our homes a corner that we call an icon corner. It's a corner of the, of the home that has a little table with religious artifacts or a candle and also an icon, a, a principal icon, a featured icon. And the family needs to gather there as a family. I know now that's probably another reason why you might be gasping in this day and age. What? We actually gathered together as a family? Yeah, that used to be very common. But let's face it, now it's almost unheard of or very difficult. But it's important to gather as a family or even just as a married couple if there are no children. It gather by that icon corner and pray together, even if it's a short prayer, a short time. And make sure it happens at regular moments a regular routine or rhythm of the family. For example, before everybody leaves in the morning or as people dribble home at night, in the evening, whatever times they come home, there's got to be some point when everyone is under the same roof and has at least one minute, two minutes, five, 15, a half hour, whatever, an hour ideally, <laughs> to gather around the icon at the icon corner and to pray together. The other aspect of the domestic church is there should be icons throughout the home. I'm talking about that it should look like a gift shop, but there should be that extension of the piety, the liturgy, throughout the home. It's a great tradition in the Eastern churches to have our homes blessed, especially during this time of year after the Feast of Theophany. Bless the home. Have prayer in the home. Have certain times of quiet in the home. These are all extensions. If you notice, they might sound like church, and they're supposed to. 
They're extensions of the liturgy into the home. So there's not this discontinuity, but a continuity between church and home, home and church. So oftentimes in our culture, we do church. You know, we go to church. We went to church. We attended mass or the liturgy. That's okay, but there's a disconnect there. It's not where we do that, and now we go and do something else. We got that done, kind of, you know, like a punch card kind of thing. However sincere we are, that's not the right approach. The right approach is much more continuous rather than discontinuous, where what we're experiencing in liturgy and church, we take to our homes, to our lives, to everywhere, which then brings me to relationships. The Eastern churches are very strong on the presentation of God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this is the bedrock for everything having to do with marriage and family. You know, the world will go by way of the family, and the family will go by way of marriage, and marriage will go by way of how we understand marriage and family in light of the liturgy, the vision of the liturgy. The liturgy gives us the vision for marriage and family. First of all, as I mentioned, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a union and a communion of three distinct persons in relationship to each other, a relationship of eternal perfect love, and yet one God. Distinct individuals, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, distinct persons, yet making up one God. This is the model for family. This is why we want family. Why does everybody want, in some way or another, marriage and family? Everybody yearns for that in some way. They may not end up with marriage and family as we know it commonly. They may, for instance, end up being a vowed religious, a celibate. But they still have that desire, and they still are part of a family in some way. We are made for community. We are made for communion because God is that way, and he made us in his image and likeness. So already we're getting a sense of the importance, the why behind marriage and family, just by having a consciousness of God as Trinity, as relational within himself. And he's made us in that image. He made us like himself, not equal to himself, but like himself. Therefore, we too desire and are made for community, for relationship, for love. And how do we live out that relationship? In Eastern churches, an icon that should always be there, and certainly in a prominent way. Actually, if an Eastern church is done correctly, there is an icon of the Trinity that arches over the sanctuary. It's sort of in the front of the sanctuary, but arching over the entrance of the sanctuary. That icon is sometimes depicted and called the hospitality of Abraham, comes from Genesis chapter 18. In that story, Abraham is visited by three angels, which we know was a foreshadowing of God as Trinity. God visited Abraham in the form of three angels, and he gave hospitality to these angels. So that's why it's called the hospitality of Abraham. But even more important than hospitality was the fact that God was foreshadowed as three figures, three persons, symbolized by the three angels. But what is special about the icon, and this is the important part, what we need to take note of, and we see it in the church, is that these three persons are depicted in the icon in a way that I would describe with the word 
deference, deferential love. Each one is bowing their head to the other in a very, very deferential, tender, attentive kind of love. Deference marks the truly Christian marriage and family. Deference, a deferential love. Every time someone is in a Byzantine church and they look at that icon, especially if they're married or they're members of a family, whether parents, husband, wife, or children, and they should be reminded again and again that what their family is about is what that icon is about, what they keep hearing in the liturgy, the union and community of persons in deferential love. To be deferential to one another is the way to love, especially between husband and wife. And when a couple is being deferential in their love for each other, they're going to be guaranteed. I tell you this as I am speaking on this program, Lay of the East, I can guarantee a couple who practices deferential love, I can guarantee to that couple that they will, in fact, have a happy, loving marriage if they practice deferential love. And they're reminded of that every time they see or hear the Trinity. There's so much more to all this. We're going to be speaking over the next several weeks about the evangelical power of Eastern liturgy and monasticism. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. More to life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. The church has 2,000 years of wisdom to share on what it takes to live life gracefully. We're so overwhelmed by how much our faith has transformed our marriage and family especially. We want everyone to experience the incredible gift that the Catholic vision of life and love really is. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.